Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish, and in this week's episode, we review some halts in production on Elephant Scout's latest, as well as look at some marketing plans for Dirty Harriet. But yeah, what's, uh, what's new with you? Well, my Murder Mystery Night Part due has failed. Yeah. Uh... Well, it hasn't failed yet. It's, it still can happen. But the idea behind it is kind of just crumbling. Yeah. And I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but the you said something where everybody has no job title and two things yeah. happen. Either nobody does anything or one person or, does everything. Right. Yeah. You, you can have, I mean, there's probably more personality types than that, but in general, there are basically two ways to deal with ambiguity. Uh, there are the people who like thrive in ambiguity, such as myself, if I can give myself a pat on the back where it's like, I just like to occupy a whole lot of space. And yeah, so I, you dance I wide. Do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you dance wide, but, um, but, uh, um, but at the same time, then there are also like the people that, you know, like we all went to college with who like in a group project don't do shit. Uh-huh. It's because they know that they've got the other people who thrive off ambiguity. So they're just going to kind of sit and coast and don't want to, if they don't have a direct responsibility that they're going to be called out for, that's like re- they're responsible for, they kind of just don't end up doing anything. So, so that's kind of what you experienced. Well, that's always been the experience. I think for the most part with elephant scout, uh, creative projects. I've always been the driving force to kind of get things done and moving and people just show up day of and do their job the day of, but nothing beforehand to get the project to where it needs to be, where people Mm -hmm. can just show up. And what happened with these last few projects, uh, the one I kind of took ownership of. So the idea with this new murder mystery night was three different directors, all directing three different shorts. And we were going to mentor and support someone that's an underrepresented filmmaker. Right. Underrepresented. Yeah. And uh, I picked uh, our good friend, Kelsey. Kelsey uh-huh. uh, said yes. She, When I talked to her about it, she said that she's working on everyone else's projects. She doesn't feel like she has one of her own. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, do you want to come direct this short? And she said, yeah, that sounds cool. You guys are cool. I'll come do it. And then the two other people of Elephant Scout, one picked a girl that always wanted to help out on our productions. No vetting at all, really. No uh, knowing her background history and filmmaking. She just straight up asked her to do it. And then the third person in our group asked this other girl that was a PA on Eddie Mummy. So she has some history with Elephant Scout. Yeah. And she was and she is going through the film program at the Yove. Hmm. So okay, a little so bit she, more knowledge, a little bit more stuff. experience, right? So we make the first short. It goes, uh, we finish it. <clears throat> Kelsey's directing it. And then what happens is I figured everyone else would take ownership of their own person that they brought to the group. And that did not happen. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 So like you kind of you thought that this would create i mean that is essentially a decentralized command that's what i lecture about all the time right it's like you, you tell me that, you that would, every other day yeah <laughs> it's like you you thought that you would essentially create like a structure about itself where the key pillars of junior leaders are the people that you know you brought into the fold and now they're bringing their people in to you know assist with the production and do everything and so you would kind of create these units that everyone's responsible for right 
and that didn't happen. It did not happen. So then I took a step back for a few months. It was it's we it's September now, and we filmed the short uh, in June. Mm-hmm. So it's been June, July, August, September, four months. Four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, four and a half months, maybe. And mm-hmm. since we filmed this last short, and I think we always talked. I don't know if we clarified it or not. That's another thing I'm learning is like clarifying goals and objectives and putting t- uh, dates to everything is way yeah. important. It's really, really important. But I could have sworn we we wanted to get it done before the summer started. Ended, yeah, yeah. Before the summer ended, before school started, before holidays came around, because it's it's almost Halloween. Once, yeah, once Halloween hits, it's, you know, Happy New Year. Yeah, basically it's, you don't get, like, if you didn't get anything done before that, it's just not happening right. this year. Like, it's not. Yeah. So, uh, it did not happen. So, uh, it got to the point where I, I started stepping in more and taking more responsibilities. And so I got, uh, you know, the, the screenwriter to rewrite the scripts. I got, you know people to get notes on the scripts. I met with one of the directors to get with on them on the page, the one that didn't have any experience. Yeah. And like, here's some online resources. Here's some ideas. Here's, here's what we're trying to do to get mm-hmm. her up, up to speed. And it wasn't enough and no one was really into it. And so, mm-hmm. except for this one person in our original three, the top three, mm-hmm. and she wanted, she would, uh, she was taking control over getting dates down and trying to get people to commit to dates. That's cool. And the way that she was going about it though, no one was responding to her. Okay. Like she, as in she wasn't like, there was no tact. It was a little too aggressive or there was no tact. It was very aggressive because it was coming okay. from a place of frustration. Oh, so then people are less likely to respond. Cause at this point it's like, Oh, like fuck, we've got a live bomb on our hands. Like, you know, well, I yeah. want to be the first one to touch. Yeah. I need I need to respond to this with the proper wording. I got to sit down and think about this response now. Yeah, if it's not sure. made easy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so uh, she would send out responses. Uh, I, there wasn't a clear communication chain going through her that she wasn't happy about. Mm-hmm. So I knew things that she didn't know, and then other people know things that I don't know, but she knows, and nobody really is on the same page, and everyone refuses to use email for some reason. <laughs> and I just want to start an email chain for each of these projects, so it's all right there in the open for everybody. Yeah, you can have you can have a thread that you can review, like dates, times, schedule right. stuff. You, you can have like attachments for information or key like documents, so everyone has everything. It's like, why would you want to handle everything through text? Exactly. I also wanted to start Google Docs, but everyone's like, I don't get Google Docs. Oh, these are terrible. I don't know how to use them. I'm like, oh my god. Who are these people? Why? Why are you people? <laughs> I don't get it. And so it's a really simple. It, it's like I had to teach my dad when we were in Durango. I had to teach my dad how to use uh, like Google Photos on the cloud. And teaching a seventy-year-old physics professor the difference between uh, local storage and cloud computing is the most fucking frustrating thing in the world so i can imagine how if nobody's willing to get on the platform you're like well i don't know what to do then like, like what do you want but it's, i'm not working with 70 year olds i'm working with people my age uh, we yeah that's the that's the really weird part word documents we grew up with internet it's like yeah like we are the pioneers of this uh, online world it's like why are we not like why are we fighting it so much 
And so she, uh, after not getting responses, and uh, I guess I, I could have done more to uh, get communication going. Uh-huh. Uh, she's like, I can't do this anymore. It's too frustrating. It's stressing me out. I can't do it. I got to walk away. Mm. So okay. she walks away. And so another terrible thing happened with one of the actors. Uh, they're, they're going through a family death right now. Oh, and shit. And so and we were supposed to film these next two shorts in two weeks. Uh-huh. And so it's like, this is a terrible time to force these to happen. Yeah. Because with with the team member that left, she's taking a couple locations with her. And so it's like, so we have to reestablish those locations that we're trying to find. And it's just uh, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like a lot of, uh, I mean, it kind of just gives insight uh, into, I mean, this is obviously on a different sort of scale, but when you think about how difficult it is to bring like a major production together and how easily all these different conflicting schedules can put a real halt and, and how committed you have to be to the execution of the project. You know what I mean? Like everyone has to really be on the same schedule and on the same page. Otherwise there are a million ways that this is just going to die out. Exactly. But I think another thing with the production though is when a production sets dates, everyone conforms to those dates. Because yeah, it's yeah, the job. Yeah. You hired me. I'm going to work on those days. Right. It's it's like a mandatory requisite. This is turned. This is like a funsy type thing. Hey, we're all volunteers. We're doing this for fun. Yeah. I can't take yeah. time off of work. I can't do this. I can't do it that weekend. I have a birthday party to go to. Right, right. Stuff like that. <laughs> and that's what makes working in independent fun film hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The the level of commitment is different. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to my friend about this, and she's going through a similar experience at her work, where she is on a committee for diversity for this com- uh, corporation, this company, uh-huh. and she established or she's was put in charge of this committee, and then there's like a uh, some there's members to the committee, and so everyone was really excited and gung ho at the beginning, but as the year mm-hmm. has gone on, everyone keeps putting it on the back burner. And they're just like, uh, yeah, I'm still, I still like the idea, but I really can't do it this week because other work has been piling up in the last eight months that we've been not really talking about this. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's come to the end of the year. They have a diversity event coming up. What's the, what are we presenting? What's, what are we sharing with the company? Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, uh, so she's getting frustrated with that too. But I, I, I think what it is is, the reason why I think Elephant Scout team worked really well in the past is because everyone's commitment was defined to three days. We're, shoot- yeah. we're shooting this short October 1st through 3rd. We're shooting this short September 9th through 8th. And then you go backwards in time when you shoot some shorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like if people know their time commitment, they're willing to... They know what they're getting into. They know how much energy they need to bring and what they can put off until a few days after that commitment's completed. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. But if it's just this big ambiguous commitment, it's like, yeah, I'll be a, I'll be a producer. I'll produce a short film, but we don't have any dates. We don't have any talent. We don't have a script. It's kind of like this big old thing. And if you're not, uh, self, uh, what do you call it? Aggressively, uh, default aggressive I, I called it default aggressive yeah default aggressive you're, you're just gonna kind of like i guess i can 
blow it off for another week. I can work on it next week. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't take precedence because of, you know, that's actually something that I in general find to be true is um, whenever I have a really big project or something that I haven't really quite figured out how I'm going to do all of it, but the parts that I do know are going to be difficult and all that kind of stuff, I found that it ends up actually weirdly doing more damage to the process if I sit there and just try and go over all the stuff that I would need to do or what this would all look like. Weirdly enough, if I just get started, the momentum of doing whatever the first achievable small little bit of it is, like the momentum that I build off of just getting things done ends up. So I can see what you mean with because with the three-day items, like the three-day blocks, everything was a little bit more well-defined. So it's like, okay, we're just going to start. We're going to get item one done, then two, then three, and you just keep going through the list until the whole thing's done. Whereas when you have kind of this uh, larger mercurial sort of ambiguous thing, it's like, oh, well, uh, it's a, it, you end up falling into the trap of just like saying you need to think about it uh-huh. for long enough. Right. And then, and then you, it never you gets just, done. Yeah, you can just you can do, do that forever. That can go on forever. So uh, I've learned a lot from this. I've, I think this whole experience that I was trying to put together needs to be like a boot camp type thing. Or it's like a week long experience or a two week long experience. Yeah. Or three weekends in a summer <laughs> where, you know, people can just commit to those days. And if they can, they can. And if they can't, that's fine. We can find someone else. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's how I think we need to approach this the next time we do it, if we do do it. But now I'm at this point where it's like, do I just, I want to finish these mostly because I got talent on board. And I got a writer on board. And those are the mm-hmm. people that have been act- actually caring about or uh, appearing to care about the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the directors, you don't hear from them for a couple of weeks. And you're like, what are you doing? And then you have a meeting with them. And they're like, oh, I just finally read this as I was walking over to this meeting. <laughs> and it's just like, those people aren't really into it. Right. But I, I feel like I need to finish these projects for the other people people involved so i'm i'm like in this weird spot do i just take everything over and finish them up or do i just let it go we have one solid short well i don't know what to do Mm, that's tough i mean do you foresee you like that you would have another opportunity to work with these these people who are on board again in the very near future like can you put them into something else or can you design something else around that or is that uh kind of up in the air at the moment every everyone involved is someone i wouldn't mind working with in the future but but the but there is we all we have to play to our strengths we have to define everyone's strength and then let them play to just that yeah and if they say oh everybody does everything no you are good at audio yeah you just show up to do audio i'm going to do my thing and we need to uh, just bring in that that chain of command, I think. Otherwise, it just frustrates people. Yeah, I think uh, people like the idea of having a, like, a whole large part to something or like expanding their responsibilities from what they normally do. But you can really only do that once you have like a full-time commitment to just that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because, because otherwise, you're at the end of the day going to have to show preference to whatever it is you're actually 
like work or like whatever it is your responsibilities are. And if you don't have that kind of like discipline around your role or anything like that, which comes from a, uh, which comes from a uh, like real clear cut chain of command, as you put it, mm-hmm. uh, then I then I don't know how that works. Like you, you end up getting people who aren't really self self driven, aren't self starters, as is the buzzword on resumes and everything these days. <clears throat> right. So then, kind of things can fall to pieces pretty easily, and I can understand how that'd be really frustrating as well. Um, shit. Well, uh, it is. What, what does it that is. mean? Yeah. What does that mean you're working on next, uh, Dirty Harriet? I'm work- I've been working on Dirty Harriet this whole time. That's why I haven't really been focusing on Got it. these shorts. But the other thing about the shorts, though, it's, it's supposed to help raise uh, brand awareness, name awareness for Elephant Scout. Right. And so now, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh... Raising uh, raising awareness of Elephant Scout. There are uh, other ways to do that. There are other ways to do that. And I've been coming up with some. So uh, I have a new team member for Elephant Scout on the feature film side. Uh, my friend Francisco. And mm-hmm. we've been, uh, we came up with this idea to pitch Elephant Scout to uh, some investors. Okay. And a part of this pitch is something I never really think about. Or I, I do think about it a lot, but I don't know how to translate it into a document form or a presentation form and how this part translates to profit. Okay. And it's the marketing plan. Mm. And I hear a lot of people say marketing plan. There was this crazy event I worked at years ago. It was for a life coach. Uh And it was this life coach that was, I don't remember his name, but he was a, a bully kind of, he was a, he was a really bully kind of guy. And he brought in this guest speaker that was hilarious because she was a copy expert, copy, like website copy, email oh, copy. Like, yeah, a copywriter, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and she recently got in, at the time, she got into belly dancing. Okay. So she gave a presentation about writing hot copy for your business. Uh-huh. And she's, she had three parts to it. And she explained each part with a belly dance move. And it was hilarious. But her first, her first uh, part was website, and then she'd jiggle her hips or something. So it'd be like, uh-huh. website, and she'd be dancing. And then she would go, hot copy. No, hot copy was last. It was website, <laughs> and then marketing plan. And marketing plan, she was like, she would make her belly do that weird snake move. Sure. And then, <laughs> uh, and then she'd go, hot copy. So then she'd do like another weird dance. Okay. So her basic plan for getting your business out there is have a platform for people to read, have a plan to get that in front of people and have good content on that site for, to hook the people in to stay on your site, purchase your products, all that fun stuff. Right. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. So first of all, this uh, episode is a clear, um, it's a clear definitive reason why we should be having uh we should be recording video as well uh because i i think that that hot copy bit could have been a good bumper for the i, I bet she's trademarked it or copy or copywritten oh, or something i'm sure she has yeah well i mean yeah anyways <clears throat> so yeah i think um i think what 
a marketing plan these days is is really kind of ambiguous. And I think for the most part, right now you're going to hear most of the conversation about uh, like social media uh-huh. and and like kind of the ad space that you can get into in terms of. Uh, you know, there are literally ads on every website, and that's all about kind of buying a property or occupying space. But um, I think that there's a lot of different and kind of interesting methods that people are using. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do think that uh, whatever this lady is, is she's kind of absolutely right. Oh, she's definitely 100% right. Because uh, I don't know of anything like... I legitimately take things less seriously if they have a crap website. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I just don't want to buy a product for something that looks like it was made on um like a GeoCities website. Yeah. I, and there's still exactly some of yeah. there's still some of that like floating around and if it doesn't have this kind of intuitive design then I'm just I sort of make the uh subconscious assumption if I had to try and unpackage it that if they don't have the money for kind of their like real baseline sort of level of advertising, then why would I think that they have money to design a good product? Which is flawed logic. I, I don't. I don't really uh, think anyone should stand by that. But it's also just being realistic. Right. Like that's that's how that works. Like I, I don't feel good about it, <laughs> but uh, but that's just the way it is. Um. So I think that that's true. But at the same time, I think uh, the. Days, what what we're going to be seeing, and maybe I'm completely off the mark on this, but I think what we're going to be seeing is the same kind of reaction people had in the mid to late uh, 2000s to uh, like sales calls Uh because everything became – it was when everything became really automated – and uh, then there were just like automatic calls. And then when people were able to get each other's numbers that maybe weren't listed necessarily or like all kinds of these technological improvements happened that for a short while gave uh, salespeople more access than they had ever had before. And then as a result of that, people started trusting salespeople less and less. Right. And the whole process got kind of broken. It's like the last thing that you want is like a phone call from somebody. So then they find you on some other medium and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, now people don't even want to answer emails from other people and all that kind of stuff. It's like that that whole outbound prospecting sort of process has created distrust within that community. Everyone, everyone believes everyone's a used car salesman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think what's happening is we're starting to, and I and I think that's already happening, is we're starting to see kind of we're going to have to find different methods for advertising because for instance people got really uh miffed when they discovered that which is obvious i thought but uh that advertisements were being tailor fit to them uh based on your searches and based on your web history and based on maybe uh different things you've been sent and things like that Uh you know what i mean so i think we're going through that age where uh that kind of those kind of marketing tactics are going to be on the out which means that you know, what's the new shit that we're going to do? Right. Every website has a chat bot now that used to be, that used to be the, the thing like that you, that you had a chat bot or uh, all these other kind of resources. So I think what that looks like weirdly enough is uh, it's going to be more person to person, like direct. Um, I think so too. And I think it's going to be uh, experience based as well. Mm. I feel like a lot of, uh, trends right now are all about an experience. So how uh, records are selling more than CDs. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people are making mixtapes on like real cassette tapes again. Really? Yeah. So it's like it's about a, a experience more so than uh, the end product, just the, whatever right. it is, right? Yeah, a quantity or it's not about the song; it's about the experience of listening it to it on a mixtape, which is a. Did you ever read Chuck Klosterman? Yeah, of course. Sex, 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 lies, and cocoa puffs. Sex, drugs, and cocoa. Sex, puffs. Sex, drugs, and cocoa puffs. And he talks about mixtapes and that. Yeah. And how you you can take people on an emotional roller coaster ride on a tape, but you can't on a yeah. CD because people can skip. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I agree with you that it's got to change, or things are going to be changing <clears throat> from, yeah. from here on out. Yeah, like I kind of find that. Uh that the only re or the only medium in which these kind of odd line click through advertisements are going to keep being effective is because everybody, the, the whole reason why the internet of things sort of changed the marketing, advertising and sales world is because now you've taken the, 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 you've pulled back the curtains on everything. Like, if you aren't sure that your prices are the most competitive, like you better believe that anyone anywhere can just go to the next site over and check prices and see what, if they can get a better deal. So now the only reason that those kind of traditional uh, marketing efforts are useful is for when you can say like, oh, we're having up to 50% off on this range of stuff. Uh-huh. And that tells people that they're going to get the best price here or presumably they're going to get the best right. price. Are they there. getting a deal? I got to get it now. Right, exactly, exactly. So those kind of advertisements, that's still that traditional sort of method still really plays because that's ultimately what the internet is kind of used for. It's just for access, accessing counter information from multiple different sources. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think you're right. Like everything is a little bit more experience based because as we've also we've also been oversaturated with options. So what do people end up looking at? What what's one of the? So you're on Amazon. You're looking for a uh, particular microphone. Uh-huh. Or whatever, whatever it is you buy. <laughs> um, what are you looking at that tells you that um, that like, oh, this is the one I'm going to buy? Uh, reviews, customer reviews. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the problem with that, is, and I know this um, firsthand. So I'm looking to buy an espresso machine right now. Oh my right? goodness! Oh my goodness! It's not for me. It's for Tori's birthday. I don't really give a shit. Um, but not like a, not obviously one of those ones that's like five grand. Right. You know what I mean, right. I'm looking for these lower tier kind of home grade ones. And uh, they're all pretty much priced virtually the same. You know, it, it can go as low as, you know, uh, 150 to 179. But that's generally ones that uh, don't really do all the stuff that I don't want them to or I want them to do. They don't have all the features, blah, blah, blah. But really, you're hitting your center point on the bell curve of these like home grade ones around 250 to $300. That's like the, the meaty part of that bell curve for the uh, for the specific range that I'm looking in. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because because obviously then you do find the out outliers at sur la table that uh <laughs> that that are like you know five thousand dollars so obviously those probably have some features or have some control or something that i don't even understand they're on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. but the problem is is that i'm on amazon looking at these things and then i'm cross-referencing them on the reviews on the actual site and there's just such an overwhelming amount of people who rate five stars on everything so i can't understand what distinguishing features any of these have 
Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking at, and they all have pretty much comparable build outs, or they do about the same stuff, or maybe that one doesn't do that, but it does do that. Like, you know, whatever. But then I'm looking at the reviews, and there's pretty much a fair shake out of all of them. And that's because there's an oversaturation now because everyone on the internet can buy anything at any time, basically. Uh, there's an oversaturation of reviews. People are like, people with maybe really low expectations or people who don't use the damn thing or people, you know, whatever are still leaving reviews because you can. Uh So precisely to your point, what am I going to do? That's going to, you know, tell me that I want to buy this thing. I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to go experience it. I'm going to like, I'm, I'm actually doing the thing that we thought the internet would prevent me from doing, which is that I, I thought I didn't have to go to the store anymore. Why do I have to do that? But I'm actually going to go because I need to take a look at these things and I need to get a feel for it myself because I just – it's oversaturated in the reviews and I can't really make heads or tails of any of it. It's like when you're trying to buy shoes online. Like, yeah. yeah the, the I mean, pictures look cool. Oh, those look like cool shoes and then you get them and they look like New Balance shoes. And you're like, yeah, and exactly. It's like weird a- and you're like, yeah, send these back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not Steve Jobs, and how, some some models run a little with like a wider foot, and some of them are like Pumas are for narrower feet. I mean, how am I supposed to know that? Right, exactly. Yeah, so so I think you're right there that it's it's going to be based more on the experience level, and that's why I thought the the murder mystery night thing was an interesting concept because that's a level of kind of getting people involved in what your whole procedure is like like getting people involved in the event of making and delivering a movie right um and so it kind of brought people on the inside as opposed to you know if i was just going to go watch a movie i don't really have any connection to the process the people anything really um so so i thought that that was a good way to do that and i think that um i have more ideas like it oh yeah and I and and trying to translate these ideas into a pitch form is interesting. Yeah, it's a little yeah, weird, I but I think it comes down to three things: uh, target audience, yep, your goals, and your strategy. Uh huh. So let's let's go with murder mystery night for a second. Mm-hmm. All right, so. I don't know where this really falls, but let me tell you all the selfish reasons why I did Murder Mystery Night. <laughs> uh, who who loves murder mystery movies? Um, old ladies, old old ladies, and, and me. And what does uh, Southern Arizona have a lot of? Like retired rich people, old ladies, yeah, retired old rich ladies. Yep. So a ton of those up in the foothills. My thought was that's my target audience is to get. Rich retired ladies to come to this murder mystery <laughs> night because I want them to be impressed by what I was putting out there and maybe investing in a future project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what else do rich uh, ladies love? Retired rich charities. ladies love besides charities. Matlock. Matlock. I assumed going to the symphony. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the first murder mystery night was a benefit show for. Uh, the Tucson Symphony Orchestras and their music education programs that they provide. Mm-hmm. So it's for charity for the symphony that rich ladies love. Yeah, the rich ladies love that shit. So I don't know if that goes in strategy, but I think at that for the strategy, that was my strategy was to, to get a bigger investment was to have that target audience show up to this night and yeah, have I mean, this the, experience. This... 
I think what you would really say the strategy is, because that's also partially your your addressable market. I think what you would say the strategy is is you are strategizing to raise funds by yourself by, um, what is that called? Um, is that the context effect? No, it's uh, you are you are tying yourself to something that was already an established. Uh, that's called something, but I, for the life of me, I can't fucking remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, you were you were kind of tying, ah, you were aligning your objectives with kind of a, the similar objectives of the Tucson Symphony Orchestra, arts in the local scene, blah 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 blah. So you were aligning your objectives and therefore addressing the same market that that would be doing, uh-huh. um, and therefore inlining your objectives like that because in general i would say your fan base is probably a little bit more of a younger crowd because it's all people who are downtown and people who go to these sorts of things that you end up having and like right you know at any mummy friends of friends yada yada so in this way you were kind of expanding your audience and expanding your fan base by uh by tying yourself to something that they would enjoy yes so uh, so that was the plan. The plan was do an event, get these people there, and all that. All that was like basically my marketing plan for Elephant Scout at the time was to do a murder mystery night. Yeah, yeah. and some of the plan fell apart, and so things weren't executed as well as I had hoped. But now I need to move forward on with this next project that I'm working on, which is Dirty Harriet. Mm-hmm. And so, trying to define that target audience, trying to define a plan. Uh, some goals for that, and then my strategy. What's the strategy to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a interesting question because it's like on the one hand we want to make sure we're taking the stuff that worked with uh, Murder Mystery Night, but also taking a more aggressive approach and and then looking to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever rule on whether or not you're going to Ten West this year? I have not, but I was invited by some other film committee that I <clears throat> networked with, and I'm thinking about it. I might as well, right? Yeah, well, what I was going to say was it kind of seems like uh, I forget what year of 10 West it was that you and I went, but it was pretty early on. I think it was the second year. Okay, yeah, that would explain a lot. Um, I see these emails still come to my inbox and, uh, you know, I'm kind of watching the program as it develops and it's sort of, it's becoming a lot larger than it once was. And there's a lot more entertainment value. It's not just like, at first it looked kind of like they were trying to glean onto the same thing that like Ted talks were doing, Uh which they still are for, for the most part. It's, it's still a lot like that. Um, but now they're kind of adding a whole lot more of attraction and like entertainment value to it. And I sort of think that that would be a good place for you to be. It's like not only do I think it would be good for you to kind of rub shoulders with the those to those sorts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Shoulders? I, I think I meant elbows. Yeah, I probably, rub- my elbows would probably rub their shoulders. Yeah, that's true. You are a giant, tall person. <laughs> You'll be rubbing some shoulders with your elbows. But anyways... Um, but uh, no, because it think does that, seem like this year there's a lot of creative, uh, young, yeah. professional types doing their thing, making their own things happen. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of think that like maybe you could, with the same sort of spirit that you brought out Murder Mystery Night, um, and I remember you, this might have been right before. 
before I met you, or this was maybe during the time that I first met you. I, I don't, I'm not really, you know, I don't remember the timeline all that much, but I remember you were like doing some man on the street stuff with Eddie Mummy. Oh yeah. We did a lot of man on the street stuff with Eddie Mummy. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I kind of think that 10 West might be a valuable, but, but not just, I'm not just saying 10 West, but I'm thinking things like that. Um, wherein it's like, you can have some sort of professional circuit sort of thing. Or like if you even get on like a Tucson filmmaker panel or some shit like that, you know what I mean? It's like, that's one good place because um, I think that that's a good medium for you to deliver your sort of uh, ethos or your message through. And that resonates with people. But then at the same time, like after you're done with all that stuff, then you can also kind of uh, remember in the in the evening we were just kind of hanging out and having beers and whatever. Uh-huh. It's it's like if you can think of something like um, not a photo booth because a photo booth is played out doesn't really speak to what you're trying to do at all. But but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? If if we could conceptualize an idea that's kind of novel but social and more elephant scout than kind of a generic sort of thing, I think that that would be really helpful too. And now you've got sort of a once we design that, test it and proof it, mm-hmm. th- that's something you can pull out at any time. Yeah. This is, uh, I have an idea I want to run by you. And I, uh, but just thinking about uh, Dirty Harriet for the next project on, yeah. you know, helping get Elephant Sc- Scout's name out there as well as the project's name out there more. Um, I think uh, positive for Dirty Harriet right now is that we have a semi known star here in Tucson. Yeah, uh, we have Betsy Bruce. She was a morning radio DJ uh, on the radio station that everyone listened to in the morning going to work or school. Yeah. And so uh, I want to exploit that a little bit as to help define uh, the target audience for this movie. Yeah. Because uh, I, I'm, I'm try- I need to talk to her and ask her what her time was. Because it was like 10 years. She had a 10-year span on that radio station. So then it would have had to have been because... Obviously, if she hasn't been on in the past five years, it's been longer. Okay, yeah. So we know that we're looking at at least probably the nineties. Uh, yeah, I think she. They were off the air in like two thousand five, two thousand six. Oh, uh, that is couldn't be more perfect. It's a long time ago, but it's yeah, people my age it, though. Exactly. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that it couldn't be more perfect because. No, it's not as though she'll have necessarily name recognition to everybody right now. No. But people are huge into this whole nostalgia thing, which uh, is not necessarily your intent, but you kind of end up riding that line really well because you're super into movies from the 80s. And (laughs) 90s, yeah. Yeah, that's who you are as a person. So you end up riding that line super heavy. Um so I kind of think like uh, all you have to do is watch, uh, uh, shit, uh, not burnout, downshift, downshift. All you, yeah, all you have to do is watch downshift, and you can see that there's like it's a mixture of kind of novel, but also like maybe some old influence, and that was also partially because of how you wrote it specifically for like a murder mystery night uh-huh. sort of format. So it was partially about that, but it was also, you, you can see the kind of influence there. I mean, take a look at Stranger Things or uh, pff, shit, any of that stuff. Exactly. That's coming out right and now. when I was telling people about Good Cop, Mom Cop, because she's the mom in Good Cop, Mom Cop, mm-hmm. uh, 
everyone my age be like, oh my God, Betsy Bruce from the radio show. Yeah. So it like, it like sparked a lot, especially with females, with women. They're like, oh, yeah, I loved course. Betsy back in the day. Like, what has she been up to? So it was, it was, it does spark nostalgia locally, which is what I like. That could be a really good bit is actually like you, you end up blending the characters. Uh, you end up blending Betsy Bruce, a real person with Dirty Harriet, a fake person. So it's like, what's Betsy Bruce been up to over all the years? And it's like, you already have that footage of her kicking ass at the Krav Maga gym. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So you just like get some extra footage of her like training and like pumping up, you know, and like doing that kind of stuff. And then you already have that footage of her kicking ass. So it's like she's been training for her role in uh, Dirty Harriet. Dirty Harriet. Sorry. Yeah. So this is my idea since you're talking about it right now. And I want to run it by you and see what you think. So in Dirty Harriet, there's a SWAT team and there's like a, a gaggle of bad guys is what I call them. Uh-huh. And I just watched this Gina Davis documentary and she was complaining, like she was pointing out the facts as to how little women are represented in films. Yeah. And how yeah. it's basically like, oh, you have a Michelle Rodriguez in Fast and the Furious. That's enough, right? Yeah. And 12 other guys. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not yeah. really fair. So I want to do. Well, and then, and then all the other females in the series are just kind of like they had their one token that they're like, oh no, we have women. It's not all just women. But then it's all just kind of like a sexualized, uh, right. singular type of role that they have for every woman except for Michelle Rodriguez. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I want to do like have half the SWAT be female uh-huh. and half the bad guys be bad girls, bad gals. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't ever see that. That never happens. No, that'd be cool. Every time you see like a bad group of bad guys in a movie they always have the one hot girl yeah as the bad girl yeah yeah yeah. so this is my idea speaking of training and videos and all that fun stuff is having uh-huh. some sort of competition where we email tucson and say hey uh, women of tucson we're looking for the top eight badass women in town yeah 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 you know like we'll we'll have driving skills have Ninja skills have gunfighting skills like, uh, like like what whatever it is right and so somehow make some sort of like not a tough mutter but like some sort of strongman competition where we can have like a couple hours of training and then they can compete about it. Uh, I I think that that's a good idea. I like where your head is at, but I think that that would be really difficult to execute. I think so too. Uh, but this is my idea. This is this is my basic idea so far. Okay. Video submissions. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And narrowing it down to fifteen people. Uh huh. Sixteen people. And then the up in Miranda, Miranda Police Department has like a a weekend class where they teach people uh, policeman skills. So they cool. learn defensive driving. They learn, uh, you know, like basic gun combat moves. They like have like a weekend class where they teach them these skills, and then they get to like drive the police car on the track super fast. Uh-huh. Uh maybe talking with Jesse with the Krav Maga and maybe teaching some sort of self-defense moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somehow judging that after that. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I, here's what I'm hearing and I think it's a really great idea. It's just I think idea. you nar- Yeah. I think you already you need 8 total. 8 uh yes. No, I think yes. I think you narrow it down to those 8 before you go into the weekend. Okay. Because I, and I, the only reason I say that is because otherwise you might, you, uh, this is what's called like a, uh, 
I forget what. Like, so when someone first clicks on an ad, they're just like a lead. Like, oh, here's somebody who was interested enough to look at the ad. But then if they're on your website and they fill out a form that that says like, oh yeah, like here's my name, here's my email address, and I was specifically interested in this product. I was specifically interested in this for this reason or whatever. Once they fill out that form, they're a qualified lead. The thing is, is that you don't want to incur that much cost on non-qualified leads because that's going to burn out because you don't know if the one of the girls who just ends up being a total badass is actually going to desire being in your movie. Right. You need to you need to qualify that process need, first. Yeah. And and be, be be able to be sure that they have a commitment. So what I think it is is that I think the idea is phenomenal. Uh, I think you take video submissions and then the ones that you select, if they are like one of the terms of the uh, competition sort of, is that if they are uh, like committed and they can commit to these dates, so have the dates that you're shooting and stuff like that already lined up, they win a place in the movie. They win uh, like that Marana uh, PD uh, uh, training day training day whatever and uh and they might get some martial arts instruction from jesse or whatever that way you create this package that then in entices people like it gives them a goal that they want to like win essentially then you've also basically created like uh, that would be an incredible uh social media marketing push because it's a hot button issue right now and you would have everyone like oh you know create a video showing like not necessarily the skills that you're 100 percent looking for like don't make it so focused where it's like uh oh show me how you can like uh do all this cop shit but just like what makes you a badass like what is it about you female in tucson or the surrounding <laughs> metropolitan area uh-huh. that uh that makes you a badass like show us what it is and maybe it's like you find some girl who can do those like has this crazy upper body strength so she can do all that like aerial tricks and stuff like that or maybe you find a girl who's like weightlifting or maybe somebody who's like Corey who uh does kickboxing at undisputed or maybe or maybe you <laughs> this mic's falling apart um or maybe you find someone who's just you know like whatever right. that looks like and then you can have that sort of be the guiding thing into like you know yeah you're a badass the way you are and then here's some stuff that we're gonna like throw at you that you might enjoy and you also win a spot in my movie you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i think that's a good way to qualify the lead before you get to the choke point, the choke point being where you're giving them all the shit. Right, you know? right. I do think, though, there needs to be a showcase, some sort of competition. Huh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know about maybe getting an audience there. I don't know if that'd be worth it or just keeping it all online uh, in that sense. Yeah, maybe keep it because what you don't want to do is... Because uh, I want to I, I invite press th- to the competition, like the oh, okay, announcing stuff. So the news yeah. is out there talking about it. This is classic. Uh, this is exactly kind of how we started the podcast, by the way. This is like the classic dichotomy that you and I run into all the time, where it's like you're a real creative uh, dreamer sort of force. And then I'm here thinking pragmatically. I'm like, yeah, but your overhead's going to be huge trying to set that up. Like, no matter what, even if you do get like sponsorship from other places, you're going to end up eating a lot of cost on a lot of stuff uh-huh. just because nobody's going to do as much as you are. Like, that's, that's just the truth of it. So, uh, but that's okay the though. Thing. I mean, this, this is, a 
the, the execution of this goal benefits the bigger picture that I'm setting up for myself. Right. Yeah, exactly. If, and you know what, if that's kind of the way that it can be looked at, like, uh, if it's just a sunk capital expenditure in order to gain, you know, larger dividends, both, uh, in public awareness and in, and you know what, that, that is bringing it back to that experiential level you were talking about, mm-hmm. that, you know, marketing now happens on a different kind of form and, uh, people are kind of more captivated by something a little bit larger than just like a flyer, you know what I mean? Or like something you send to their inbox, like right. oh, we're on an email list. Nobody gives a shit about that anymore. Right. So I, I guess it would serve that purpose. And, you know, if you're okay with, uh, I mean, Hey, now you, uh, have kind of cut murder mystery night too. So maybe you'll have some free time. You're able to put on a different kind of event. Right. That would be pretty cool. And then also, you know, of course I want to make it be a benefit for something somehow. <laughs> you always make sure you're uh you're if you are making some money you're funneling it I'm elsewhere giving it away. to your movie yeah <laughs> all profits are no profits therefore non profits yeah. so God, yeah dude. just like maybe teaming up with a, a women's support group or something like that in town just to yeah that'd be cool just that'd be really just, cool like like it's it, it is for semi-selfish reasons but it's true i need to find these women for this movie yeah, I, th- I think that'd be good. And I think everyone has like a, uh, everyone's got a friend. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? If you, if you, if we can get the message out wide enough, everybody has a friend that like, you know, I, I already can think of two or three, uh, people I know in Phoenix who would be perfect for that. Uh-huh. Or not, not in Phoenix, sorry, Tucson. Uh, that'd be, I, I've reprogrammed my brain. Um, but I, I can already think of a couple of people in Tucson that'd be like, oh, yeah, they should definitely do that. So everyone's got a friend and everyone's got somebody that they know. So you can get a great turnout. You can get a great event. You can raise some awareness and hopefully even, uh, you know, kind of drum up some business for Elephant Scout and your upcoming movie. Right. And then. Um, and. Go. You, you end up. Sorry. Uh, I was like, I was like, I, I forgot because I got so swallowed up in the marketing aspect. It's like, and double whammy, you end up casting your movie. Right. So that's Boom. half the challenge right there. Because it's easy to find eight guys to be bad guys. Oh, yeah. Cops. I mean, they, they're like what we did with Viola the Wolf. It was 12 that's guys. That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. I was like, I was like, I mean, it was what, the second day we were there shooting? Because the first day it was just me and Preston. Then the second day, you just brought in like a troop of guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy to find guys for this type of stuff. But I just, yeah. think, I just think it'd be cool to have women mixed in there. And yeah. challenge this idea that women can't do stuff like that. Because I think they can. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely, um, and that's uh, that's becoming more and more prominent, and I think it's becoming more and more evident. Like, uh, obviously, I don't want to drag you through all the weeds of uh, mi- <laughs> I don't want to drag you through all the weeds of um, mixed martial arts and all that kind of stuff. But we're seeing females competing on a scale that we just never have before, uh-huh. and I think that that's not really a response of like it's kind of like when. Um, uh, everyone thought running a four minute mile was impossible. Like the human body could not accomplish it. And now people are running three minute miles. Yeah. And now, now high schoolers have even made the four minute mile. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So all it took was someone showing that you could do it. So once there was, you know, kind of these lower and lower restrictions and once people started like certain directors or certain people start changing their minds, females roles in movies in like certain pockets have become just 
way larger and way more influential and like way more central to plot sometimes even being the center plot like you know what i mean so as that's kind of developed i think that this kind of uh this notion of a real badass female um is becoming like a a larger and larger thing right and and it's that's something that just becoming less stigmatized yeah everyone everyone kind of we have to sort of push keep pushing that along because right now it's not at the point where if we left it alone it would still go right you know what i mean so it's like okay we all have to keep pushing it along keep pushing it along and then uh and then once it'll hit like a cruising altitude space where great there we are so that sounds like a really cool idea man have you heard of anything like that i don't know you seem like you seem to be in like the world of mixed martial arts combat yeah um no, you know, like I, uh, I can't think of anything like that per se. I remember, you know, I mean, for for me, the really cool part about that was when we were starting to get more and more females on the local circuit, mm-hmm. because uh, you know, on the large scale, of course, you get these huge superstars that are, you know, Ronda Rousey and, and etc. Who are really turn, but you can really start to see it make a difference in the community. When you see the number of female enrollments, like when I was working at Undisputed, the number of female enrollments was just ever expanding. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, there was a lot of girls who just wanted to get fit and it was just kind of a gym. But then there was also girls who like legit wanted to fight or do jujitsu or do stuff like that. And uh, it used to be just something that was kind of on the outskirts. Like my sister has been competing in martial arts since she was, I think, like eight or nine. Uh-huh. So she's kind of always been on the fringe but now it's kind of it's becoming like a growing and more expanding thing and that was a really cool thing to see and then also being on a like competition team like when i was on the david riley's competition team in tucson like uh cory who i was really hoping we could get for file of the wolf too but uh-huh. it just kind of like too much stuff going on uh she's legit a badass like i would want her to try for this but i like she's also uh doing um uh she's in nursing school i think at the oh, moment okay. so her time is <laughs> pretty limited i don't know like how much commitment she can make but she's legit a badass so seeing somebody like that that like actually embodies like it's not about oh like i'm a girl doing blank it's like no she's a fighter mm-hmm. like she's she's not a girl fighting she's a fighter that's it you know so it was kind of like driving that adoption and being like yeah uh this this is a thing like this is part this is where we're at now these aren't like you know separations uh between sports and oh this is a girl's thing this is a guy's thing it's like no it was really cool but to your point no i've never really seen an event like that i've seen you know females boxing and females fighting and like that kind of stuff but but not anything that's kind of more of like a uh like a generalized skill pool you know what i mean because Uh that i think that you'll end up seeing really cool stuff out of that I think you're going to see like really cool stuff that, you know, maybe you didn't anticipate being the kind of demographic that you're looking for, but it might pay off. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. So like, I think it'll help you cast a wider net because it'll be backwards and forwards. Like on the one hand, um, like not only are you spreading awareness to people to like say, Hey, here's an open Avenue. If you want to, if you want to come do this, like this would be really cool, but then you're also going to get a wider casting pool. So you're really going to be able to like see who fits well and who gels well with, with the movie that you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it's double whammy, but no, haven't, uh, haven't heard anything like that, but, uh, we'll have to figure out how we're going to go about promoting that. 
Right. So that's another thing is the, the strategy to promote that, but that, yep. uh, how it fits with the larger strategy of promoting the movie, which is right. You know, the goal is to sell 7,000 units of this movie at 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, the ideal thing is that not only you're casting your movie, but you're also going to get conversions from assumedly ticket buyers or entrance to the event. You want to convert 100% of those into ticket buyers for the movie. Uh-huh. Like that, that's the ideal situation, right? So obviously, probably 100% is unrealistic, but we need to come up with an idea for not only marketing the event and like having a strategy there, but also how you convert all these people from the event into ticket buyers to the movie. Right. And it'd probably be some sort of marketing material with Betsy as the the lead. She's 100%. like, hey, I'm Betsy Bruce. You know what I've been doing this whole time? And it's her beating up people it's, at a gym. Yeah, like, there you go. Show me how you've like been that, a badass since 2015. Like, yeah, exa- exactly. Like she might not be... Uh, like, I don't think, I, and I don't know how you would go about judging the event or how you would do that. Cause it's like qualitative, quantitative. I, like, I don't really know. That would be something that we like flush out in the process. But I think if she was the host of it, you know, if she wouldn't mind doing that. Oh, she's definitely in to do that. Oh, d- perfect. I haven't like talked to her about it, but she's in. She's, in. Yeah. <laughs> you know her, she's in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be, that would be almost perfect because it's like, yeah, that you could have a lot of material just promoting the event. Then when she hosts the event, it's like really integral. And then she's saying like, oh, and you can then come be a part of my movie. You know what I mean? And, and it kind of, it'll end up building out this community that, uh, yeah, I think that's a really great idea. So, but yeah, but, but then it's also this, this, um, I don't want to do it until I have more funding for the movie so I can execute the movie. Let's say within three months of the event or within two months of the event, I can execute the movie. Yeah. You don't want to have to sit on this for like another, like, Oh great. Okay. So I got these people. And then while you're on this kind of crest where people know elephant scout, people know Betsy, you know, whatever, like while you've got the attention, you don't want to hit a cool down period and then have to start from scratch again. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a, I think we establish a timeline and possibly find just a little bit more money to where we can start the production. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I think we'll be good to go. But yeah. It, that's, that's a really valid point. But we're just going to be really walking the line and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be uh, a lot of time spent, but uh, you are a lot like <laughs> you. I don't, I don't remember a time where you weren't picking up like six different things to do all at the same time. You're just in general a very, uh, busy kind of person but hey that's your workflow you like to do it yeah you gotta stay busy otherwise you are bored yeah that's true and we couldn't have that uh well cool so we got to figure out some plans to get elf and scout some funding and uh then kind of just take it sequentially one step at a time just take it from there Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.